Hello everyone and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It's Thursday at 7pm BST and we are live on twitch.tv forward slash DNI stream. It's time for episode 11.5, Bleeping Contractors. Now I'm not sure how to say this because I put loads of expletives everywhere, but Bleeping Contractors, they took our jobs, however you want to say that. Uh, I'm Chris Seawock and unfortunately Josie cannot join us today, uh, so you're stuck with me. I am, however, joined by my good friend, Anthony Keenan. Hello, Anthony. Please introduce Hello. yourself and tell people who haven't heard of you before what you do. Um, so I am Anthony Keener. I'm a developer and I am currently doing some blockchain-y type stuff. I, I'm a Java developer at the moment. I used to be a um, .NET developer. So uh, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much me. You've gone back to blockchain. You were doing QA last time you were on the show. Yeah, QA for blockchain. Oh, okay, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. For, the, it's for the same product, yeah. So it's um, the the company is a is a blockchain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Company, you see, well, fair. blockchain like in, or something. Fair enough, fair enough. So as always, a big hello to everybody in Twitch chat. Please do get involved with the show if you are, have any questions or you have any comments. Say what you want in chat, and we will pick them up and read them out if they are relevant or funny or interesting in any way, shape, or form. And before we get going. We're going to keep to the standard of an icebreaker before we get going. Now, this is just a quick question that we ask everybody on the podcast, just to make sure that we like each other, that we're on the same page, and to get us to know us a little bit better. So, today, if you were to create a slogan for your life, Anthony, what would it be? <laughs> go big or go home. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> is that a tagline more than a slogan? Well, whatever. Must right. end up going home. To be fair, ah, well, well, mine, mine would be. Um, I had a little bit of a think about this, but it was basically the first thing I came up with because didn't want to, didn't want to think about it too hard. Um, take everything seriously enough to be funny. I, I have a philosophy in life that I'm a very serious person generally, but I also laugh at everything. Everything is if you can't laugh at everything and anything, nothing's worth laughing at, in my opinion. Everything's up, everything's game, you know. Cool. So wise. Yes, well, I do. I try to be. Okay, right, so on to today's show. Today's show is entitled uh, Bleeping Contractors, They Took Our Jobs. So what we're going to be doing is taking a look at contractors from an employee's point of view. It's a very different world and different show to what we normally do. Me and Josie, I'm a contractor. Josie's a freelancer. We often go into companies and do various different types of jobs. Things I've changed the way that I work over the years, but Anthony is an employee and has typically been an employee his entire life, as far as I'm aware. And a, I like to call it a proper job. A proper job, okay. Already getting into this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <we're... laughs> um, so let's start, let's start, Anthony, by asking, what do you think a contractor is? What do I think a contractor yeah, is? Yeah, what, what, what's your definition of a contractor? What's your experience of working with contractors? And in what capacity would you normally work with, with a contractor? That was about three or four questions there. But, um, wow. I, well, I mean, for, from my point of view, you know, a contractor is, is somebody that you can bring in on a temporary basis to in, pre, increase your capacity in order to sort of deal with um, bumpy product planning, if you know what I mean. And is that generally um, your the, the only time you the only way that you normally work with contractors? They just come in and increase your resource capacity. Uh, yes, quite often 
those bumpy product maps that we needed a temporary contract for be, be, turn out to be permanent um and they, and so we find that we always need to uh suckle from the contractor's heat once you've uh, started but um but yeah quite often yeah quite often it, it getting contractors in on a temporary basis it, it's um it's a low even though contractors generally are more expensive on a sort of day-to-day -day basis the long-term cost of a contractor to uh, compared to a um a permanent employee is a lot less because yes. obviously they can get rid of you on a whim which was your last show i think of the show before about you, you know i mean that is one of the things that businesses like about contractors is that if the work isn't coming through they can get rid of them when with me they have to keep paying me whether there's work or not so yes i mean that's one of the i suppose benefits it's one of the pitfalls of being a contractor if you look at it that way i don't i mean again that's not really we did do a show on that we did talk about how uh, how we how we can get fired it's not the same as being fired but as an employee as a contractor you have to understand that it's not personal it's not written a lot of the time it's not even something you've done you might have done an absolutely brilliant job which we will i'm sure we'll talk about soon uh, about the quality of a contractor's work um but you'll you, you're just no longer required you know either the contract comes to an end naturally or or they literally run out of things with for you to do or the uh, something changes now the, the, it's interesting you say that now that does generally be the that is generally the case when you work with contractors as a developer normally you could a contractor will come in and they'll just fill a spot and they may very well do a very similar job to yourself and i'm I imagine in your experience they pretty much always do the same job as you uh yeah i think most of the places where i've worked where they've had contractors they've brought been brought in to either jo join a team to increase capacity because they're struggling to recoup permanently or to expand massively and and then i'm talking about rather than contractors contracting companies that provide you know a hundred developers or you know yeah i mean that's that's on, on big scale, scale. which is a that's big scale stuff for massive companies that have a well well defined development <laughs> process. Um, my experience of contracting started out like that, and I very quickly realised that as somebody who should really be self employed, that is not a way that is that is not a sustainable self employed model. And this is where we get um, again. This isn't our IR thirty five show, but I keep going on about it. <laughs> This is why IR35 exists, and this is why the government are cracking down on it. And as of next year, um, the private sector is also getting a lot of uh, massive changes when it comes to contractors, especially for the bigger companies. The smaller companies aren't going to be affected as much. But the smaller companies generally have a very different view of it. So I'm working for a client at the moment, and the previous client, and the client before that, and probably the client before that, all of them were very small companies with very, very limited capacity, limited budget, and they see me as an expert that comes in to solve a problem for a limited amount of time they don't see me as additional resource to necessarily add to a project Pre previous one for example i can i can again won't mention any, any names but they needed me to come in to uh, to look at new technologies that they hadn't yet looked at look at some of the acquisitions that they'd made and look at the software stacks that within those acquisitions, business acquisitions, and essentially see how they would fit in with their new model. Nobody else in the company was doing that. They had no resources to do that internally. 
So it was a very specialist thing that they asked me to come in and do. And another employee, sorry, an employee may very well have been able to do that. In fact, they definitely could have done that, but they didn't. They they specifically went, we need someone short term who has technical skills as well as vendor management skills as well as design skills. So it was specialist for that that short period of time. They actually fired me. They actually got rid of me. After, uh, it was a six month contract, and on the three month mark, they got rid of me. It's no skin off my nose necessarily because I've you know got other jobs to do as well. But they looked at me for an ex as an expert for that short period of time. Current client, I'm in there implementing agile processes. I'm in there trying to get other develop other de some developers on board with a new process. I'm trying to manage stakeholder expectations and kind of, I'm kind of essentially stepping in for a CTO role to try and figure out where they're heading as a business with their software. And it's, it's again, very different. There's no other technical expertise on site and I'm essentially the go-to person for everything enterprise software. So it's different for me. I see that. I mean, but that's that's because that's that's i mean you're still filling a resource gap in the company it's just that the resource gap in your case is is more of a consultancy role than a than a sort of like well, a, a boots on the ground type programmer type role but they're all different you know yeah you could argue that there's very similar in that um you're still providing expertise for a short amount of time as a developer i may we may not see that as specialist expertise because we're developers but i suppose you can look at it in a way that i mean it's still quite specialist compared to you know non-developers i suppose but. absolutely yeah because you need a very specialist skill set to do that but that doesn't mean that the person sat next to you isn't doing exactly the same job whereas nobody sat next to me is doing the same job as me if you know what i mean that's the way that i and that's, yeah. i think that's pretty much the way that the government see it as well yeah but that's and and from the point of view of businesses who want to be able to sort of take take on a, a short-term burst of capacity without having to take the hit of the long-term uh, commitment, which is an which is an, effectively an, an accounting issue. Um, yeah, bureaucracy, onboarding, it, it, you know, HR process, yeah, which all cost money. And 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 also, you know, when you're looking at a value of the, of the company, that the wages that you have to pay out every month are a liability, but contractors who can be terminated in a minute's notice aren't a liability. So that from an accounting point of view, it makes a big difference there. And in certainly the companies that I've worked, they haven't had the opinion that. Gen that well, we've certainly brought in. Um, contract I, I, so I suppose yeah there's two different things we've i went to con companies where they brought in contract consultants to bring in specialist knowledge for certain areas at sort of a higher level and i've also been at companies where you know we just need more heads to get stuff done in mm -hmm. which case um then like you say the people are just doing the same job as everybody else just on a temporary basis and i think that's what the ir35 law is is trying to is trying to differentiate between because if you are if you are taking on Essentially, extra employees on a temporary basis. Then their employees are not contractors, and I yeah, think that's they're what they're, temps, you know. they're temps, and yeah. that's the problem is that people are using limited companies and yeah. tax benefits that we get as self-employed, genuinely self-employed people, on a long-term basis for one client, you know, without any risk. And yeah, anyway, not the show we're we're on with today. <laughs> it's, it's it's something that's close to my heart, and I will get a show about it one day. I will. Um, so. I suppose how do you how do you define uh, the difference between the person who sits next to you and yourself then as an employee and the contractor? Is there a I difference? Don't. You don't. No, I, I don't. And and that's that's me as a 
an employee, you know. So your company and your management make no effort whatsoever to say that this person is a contractor and they are... Uh, and you should ignore them and not speak to them and not eat lunch with them because they could be gone tomorrow. Well, not just that. You, you, that they shouldn't be in, you know, they, they're their they're own consultant. They can manage their own time. They can... Um, it, None of that happens. See, that's a that's a scare. That's that's exactly the problem. That's the control thing we're talking about here. So the, the difference there is there is no difference, and they're the people who are caught by this. And it's you know anyway, um, when you work with a contractor, how do you see uh, the quality? Does that does the quality of their work that they provide change based on them being a contractor, or is it still to do with how skilled they are as a developer do they have a different attitude to the work i definitely find that a lot of the contractors that i've worked with have a different attitude to work in what respect in the respect that they don't have as much skin in the game quite often as a permanent employee because they know they're not going to be around to to support it in quite a lot of cases you know, so okay. I've had some instances of working with contractors where they've not really been um, as focused on the sort of long-term vision, and um, and and again, you know, I've a, a lot of this blurs over into sort of contracting companies where you get where you get in larger companies to provide, con you know, groups of contractors, or you know, like I suppose the, the companies the contract is near their permanent employees of that company. Uh, where they will do exactly what you ask them, but nothing more. Yeah. And they won't turn around and say, oh, this is really stupid. Have you thought about doing it another way? A lot of the time, they just go, oh, I've just been paid for this, so I'm just going to keep on doing it. And, you know. That's interesting if, because if... That, that, to me, is absolute madness. Even, as, even if I went in as a developer, it is in my best interest to get work from that client again and do the best possible job that I can. As a business, I want to get repeat work from somebody. I can understand that when I was a little less savvy in the world, but now it's all about quality and it's all about writing those tests and thinking about the long-term vision and asking the right questions and go and questioning when someone asks me to do something a particular way saying well i have experience of doing it another way i will do it the way you want me to if it's absolutely necessary but there has to be a good reason because i should be legally accountable for that work as well even when my contract finishes i should yeah. be but that be with a big company that isn't the case the code base is managed by the permanent employees and you come in you edit it, you add to it, and then you go. And then it's maintained and managed in the future by somebody else. And that's a risk thing. There's no risk involved in that. So it's that's very interesting that you've had that experience. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not sure whether it's the um, a difference in the sort of the London job market in the fact that there's, there's so everybody's so desperate for developers in London that it doesn't really matter if you pay off one employer you can just move on to the next one do you know what i mean and just keep just keep going and there's certainly a lot of that that goes on which is a bit of a shame i think there's a lot of dollar signs as well in people's eyes because yeah. they see that and they go right it's money it's great money um and yes this is again it's i still earn a decent amount not being like that and i get repeat business from previous clients doing different work quite often 
client I'm work, working for currently doing totally different work to last time. I was designing, specifying and writing a system last time. This time I'm process driving and, you know, doing stakeholder stuff. It's, it's totally different. And to me, that's really valuable. I'm getting experience across the whole spectrum of, of the company and I'm being able to talk to people in different ways and speak to different levels of people and, and learning constantly. I get really bored if I go from coding job to coding job to coding job because I've I've done that and I know enough about that that I can pick things up and learn with them. But I, I said I think I think there's the dollar signs and the they see they see those rates and they go well I can get away with this. But I think that is def definitely going to change uh, in in the coming year at least. So another thing um that I've noticed that when I, when I've worked with a few contractors before is a, is a um like a a defensive is it defensive mentality but more, more like a i need to keep everything as close to my chest as possible because if i let other people know what i'm doing then they'll be able to take it off me and sack me so i'll be like i'll, I'll be sort of like secretive about what i'm doing and just you know you get contractors like, like that as well yeah wow i that's get i see that in permanent employees a lot more that's very interesting again oh, true i suppose yeah permanent employees who think that contractors are coming to take the job yeah and that, hence the yeah. title of this show. It's like a lot of the time there's insecurity within, even if there's no contractors around, within a permanent employee. A lot, In fact, it happens with everybody. It doesn't really matter if you're a contractor or a permanent. Some contractors, I've had contractors come in, I've hired contractors that have got in the ear of people and had me fired because they felt I was a threat to them. And it was, and I, again, was doing a, a again, not going to go into detail. I've actually talked about exactly those examples in previous shows, but it's, it's just not the attitude to have you, by collaborating no. and being open with people. The people. I have to say, when I have seen that before, it has been with the weaker, yes, contractors who are trying to, who tend to be good talkers, but actually not deliver that much. So they tend to sort of try and talk the way out of stuff, and then when you try and sort of question them, so I've had that a few times. So do you, when do you ever work with a contractor then that is, or a freelancer? Have, do, have you had any experience of working with freelancers that have come in, not necessarily as a contractor? Well, it's, it's a shame uh, Josie's not here because I'm just going to say I don't know the difference between a freelancer and a contractor, which I'm sure you both go crazy about. But uh... Not necessarily. <laughs> it's, it's a similar kind of role. A contractor is generally, you know, day rate contractor comes into work, does does the same kind of work, and has a contract in place that, specifies I am going to provide you services for X amount of days or X amount of weeks and these are the services. <clears throat> the day rate contractors that you work with will have a job title in that in that contract. I absolutely refuse to sign contracts with a job title in these days because it is not it does not representative of what I do. If someone says to me you are the uh, a senior software developer it's like no what am I doing for you? What are the what are the deliverables for what, I, what I'm delivering to you? Because then I've got a scope and then I know how much work I have to do and I can plan for it and I can plan it potentially around other clients as well. But most contractors don't do that. They just go, right, I'm happy, fine, sign the contract, let's get in there. Agents love and hate me, depending on who they are, because I go back and forth with contract terms and I understand the legislation that they are under, that they try to get you to opt out from and all this other stuff. The difference between a contractor and a freelancer is a freelancer generally comes in and does uh, much shorter periods of work and 
are they con- are they paid by the work, not by the de- the time? Is that no? They can that- be paid. No. However, I mean, for, for example, Josie is uh, Josie gets a lot of retainer work, and she she's a freelancer in that she is absolutely never ever required to work the hours that her uh, that her um, employ her clients ask her to work. She is contracted to provide services and does that for X amount of time. That is where the government want contractors to be. But in reality, it's not a model that works for the bigger businesses because they need uh, a permanent resource for X amount of days. That is essentially a temp employee. But then a, a freelancer has full and free reign over what they do and how they do it and how they deliver things. Whereas a contractor usually has contract terms that restrict them from doing things in a particular way. Um, and they're usually expected to be on site. I suppose I am more of a freelancer these yeah, days. Yeah, as you're describing it, I'm thinking that's what more more what you do than... But the thing is, a contractor should be like that. There shouldn't yeah. really be any difference between them, but because of the way that the market is, they are treated very differently in terms of how the clients perceive them. Now, this legislation that's coming in is actually saying that clients are responsible, are going to be responsible if they feel a contractor is caught by this legislation for paying their tax, which means that they look more like it, that they have more control over them, they have direction and all that other stuff. And that's going to stop the... But they're still not going to have the empl- benefits of being an employee either. Um, yeah. It's about relationships. I don't know. I mean, I'd love Josie's input on this. I really would. I really would like her to tell me what she thinks i don't think we'd ever get to the actual full definition um because what i believe a contractor is is really a freelancer <laughs> and i forgot i forgot why we why we were we were talking about contractors and freelancers well the difference between them what is the, well, what? why we were talking about the difference between them oh you asked you're asking whether i'd work with any freelancers that was yes it. that was it and yes. i said I'd, I, well i don't know <laughs> so a freelancer so, so i have worked so you know i've worked with contractors who come in as, as sort of developers as like you said sat next to somebody doing the same job to, to fill holes in a team that sort of thing i've also worked places where we've had contract consultants who've come in at a higher level as sort of like cto type level or as for consultants for specific areas maybe for um devops or for you know testing or for you know process that sort of thing um which tends to be more like what you're describing than more freelance work where they they just sort of come in whenever, but then put like plans together and that sort of stuff and yeah. don't really have the same direction over the work. Um, so, so um, I know, you know... Um, my my we, we, experience, we, we, my experience of working with freelancers is usually graphic designers. I usually yeah, say to too. them, yeah, I usually say to I, them, I need some branding for this client or I need some branding for one of my own projects. Go off and do it. You know, I'll give you some general ideas and brief, you know, a brief of what I want, but then it's, that, it's up to them to deliver it and they give me a price for it and then I pay it when they deliver. That's really how it should be with contractors, but in the real world, it's just not feasible to do that for some clients. And it's just, there needs to be a third type of um, type of person who's an expert in a particular domain. It's a freelancer. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so. Anyway, going back to con- so con- there's contractors, and then there's also contract companies as well that come in and do development, and and I've had quite a bit of experience of that as well as a developer. And there are a few 
interesting things that I notice happen in the dynamic when that happens. Um, if you want to talk about that, yeah, yeah, go for it. So we we like so I worked at uh, the train line, and the train line originally all of their work was outsourced. So it was originally Cap Gemini, I think, who did the original train line website, and then it, it moved to ThoughtWorks. Yep. Uh, and over time, what happens is these with these big contract developer contracting companies like um, Capture Nine ThoughtWorks is that they tend to um, they put all the best ones on it at the beginning. And but one of the sort of benefits of working somewhere like ThoughtWorks is that they want to be able to do different things all the time. So after a year or two, they start moving off. And then other people start going on newer developers. Um, and that, that handover process isn't always brilliant. So, you know, I found a lot of instances where um, you struggle to, you lose the institutional knowledge of not having permanent employees, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. With, uh, um, although, to be perfectly honest, in London these days, the average developer um, is in a job for just over a year, so they may as well be contractors, uh, and which also has a massive issue with uh, institutional knowledge. Um, yeah, and that's where our processes and documentation come in line. But we uh, very rarely, because of the constraints we're under, have time to put quality documentation together, you know, or have the skills to do it as well. A lot of developers don't don't develop those skills because they don't want to. We should we should have it. We should, you should do a show about documentation. Well, to comment or not to comment. Oh, annotations. You mean no, <laughs> no? Just don't bother. Most of the time, anyway. Um, I think. What were you just talking about? <laughs> a contracting company, like bigger, bigger right, sort of. Yeah. I think I think yeah. that is that is a problem with the larger companies. They have. Um, I've worked with Capita. I've worked with um, oh, there's what there's an infrastructure company called Blue something something Blue something like that. They're, they're quite big, but they what they do is they put te small teams of people in offices around the country, and then they're in charge of the infrastructure for that company. Um, and then right, when, okay. as a developer, you try and interact with them and they're like, oh, no, no, we're not doing any work for you. form SJ739, or, sacrifice two chickens. Yeah. And, uh... and and it's like, it is, it's infuriating as a consultant, as an employee and as somebody else because they've got processes in place that you don't understand. You know, if you're an employee that's not technical, for example, and you need a new login account or something, well, those processes exist for a good reason at the same time for their side. But when it doesn't follow through and they don't do the job properly, because essentially a lot of them come on board and just kind of freeload for a good while. I've seen that as well. I'm not saying all of them do, because contractors are, can be um, accused of that as well occasionally. Um, but I, those large companies have never personally appealed to me because they also get contractors on board as well. And that will be a, a problem in places like the train line. They'll use the they use ThoughtWorks. Internal employees, consultants will design the systems, put them all together and then deliver it. And then the it'll go into maintenance mode and then they'll put the juniors on or they'll get contractors in that don't have as much experience just to kind of maintain it and do the monotonous stuff over. And, and then they'll keep churning new employee, uh, sorry, new um new contractors in, in and out as they need to, as they need resources. And yeah, you lose all of that knowledge. You, and then it's just not, it's not useful. The company I'm currently worked for, all of their software has been developed by contractors such as myself over the years. And all of their internal knowledge has disappeared. 
absolutely disappeared and they've, they've got no retain not retained any employees on the technical side ever and it's just not it's a model that they wanted to follow they didn't outsource but they used an internal uh, they they resourced internally for contractors because they thought that they could get away with implement and then it's done they didn't realize that there's a maintenance cycle so how much do you how much do you think it's costing them now the fact that they oh. never had any permanent employees to to have that institutional knowledge way more and this is something I am drilling into the stakeholders right now is that as much as I'm a contractor and I advocate it, I'm, I absolutely see a need for a permanent team for them to just do. I mean, there's, some of the software has not been touched for a year, over two years in some instances. Some of it's been abandoned, which was perfectly fine, and been redeveloped in, in a totally inappropriate tools because they haven't got the internal knowledge to know that as a software company and as as a commercial software product they need to do it this particular way or this is the established way of doing it even though they've been told by previous technical people have you been in a meeting yet and asked them to sack you uh, kind of yeah <laughs> what, what? So it sounds like <laughs> well, that, that's the thing is I, that's my that, job that's basically yeah that's what you're doing you, you know you say you need you need you need basically to get somebody permanent because uh, well I've, I've said to, i've said to them a number of times and i've reiterated it this week that um in fact only this week i realized that i'm essentially doing a cto job a, a startup cto job and i've told them that as a contractor i i can the team are starting to look to me for leadership now and this cannot happen i have to do it because that's the only way that I can implement these processes. But we need per people that I can be handing these roles over to. You know, I'm, I'm acting as a scrum master, a CTO, a technical lead, a, a consultant, and all the, a million other things as well. Project manager, and you know, I'm trying to train people as well. And it's it's just a, it's it's crazy. Well, from the company's point of view, you know, having you there for you know however long, six months, a year, to put in those processes without any anyone to enforce them going forward or understand why they're there you'll you know you'll leave maybe they'll get somebody else and they'll put in different processes and everybody will get turned around again or yep and this you know, is just insanity this is something that I've, i'm trying to ingrain into the stakeholders who are completely the least technical people on the planet they don't care they're, they're you know they have no interest whatsoever in the development process which is fine and it's the cto's job to make sure that they understand why these processes are needed and why this person these personnel are needed um the previous CTO probably didn't either didn't do that job or was at the end of his tether with getting resources. I don't know. I, I don't profess to know anything about that, but it could be anything. You know, the fact is, is that I'm a contractor. I am temporary. Everything I'm doing is very important, very relevant, but getting somebody with all of those skills that I have to do that job and in a permanent capacity and do it and understand kind of the business perspective and the technical perspective is very difficult to place somebody in that position. So a contractor might be best, but yes, we need we need permanent people to hand over parts of that responsibility too. So it, yeah, I'm a, I, as much as I advocate contract I, contracting, I know what I am, and I'm perfectly comfortable with it. And I'm perfectly comfortable, as you just said, going into a meeting, which I sent an email this week saying, you need to get rid of me as soon as possible. But for that to happen, you need this person, this person, this person, you need this process, and you need these people in the internal team on board with these processes and these systems. And you need yeah. definitions for your products. 
who are you selling it to? Why are you doing it? You know, what what is the actual goal within the next year for this product? Because there's no vision of that whatsoever. So it's Yeah, what's well, gonna make you money. Yeah, yeah. And what yeah, what's what's what markets are you selling to? Who are your users? Because the users, are, it, it, again, I'm not can't go into detail, but there's there's so many different types of users that could be uh, applied to the system. It's 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 junior problems. It's stuff that I never normally need to deal with because it's all ready in place. I'm coming in with a defined set of goals to, to deliver a product that is going to get sold to this market, and marketing team are in place, the support team are in place, QA is in place, and I'm just a tiny little cog in the machine. And it's so it's really exciting for someone like me. I'm I really thoroughly enjoy it, and I've been doing more of this kind of work for a long time. But it's still it's difficult to get over to people who don't particularly care about them processes. Well, Tooltep has been uh, busy in chat. So I'm just going to read out some of his things. I think he was referring to my long term um, my long term vision of retaining clients earlier, and he said, "I think your view here, Chris, is a lot more solid long term." Uh, who knows what the market will be like in five years, ten years' time? And that's, I suppose, that's from the contractor's perspective, and we're trying trying to focus on the employee's perspective here. Well, no, I mean, from the employee's perspective as as well, I'd much rather a contractor came in and did what you what exactly what you're doing rather than come in and sort of try and hang on to the job as as long as they possibly can, and you know. Well, I'm being very open as well with the employees as a con as a consultant. I'm looking at this with a consultant hat on. I'm trying to be open with. Them. I'm saying, look, I don't know what my visibility is after September when my contract ends. Well, actually, it's August right now, but I think verbally I'm extended to September right now. But after that, as far as I can see, because of the way that I know how long resourcing takes, they're probably going to need me for another six months. You know, at least if not longer than that, to do handovers, resource people do the interviews, actually figure out who is needed, because that's changing on a weekly basis as well. It's a it's a five year old startup that haven't got start you know, haven't got a software process or software developers. It's it's an absolutely mad world to me, but it's the world that they live in and they, they have to deal with on a daily basis. And he's also said, uh, retaining knowledge internally is really important. My company did not bother too much and now being untangling spaghetti for three months. Three months is a short time, to be fair, for <laughs> if they haven't been retaining uh, information, because it can take quite a long time to. If you're, if you say, for example, there's a drive and you need six months worth of contractors and you get ten in. I don't know. Let's say ten is an arbitrary number. Those ten contractors will be writing a lot of code in, code in that six time, six months worth of, of time. A lot. I mean, tens of thousands of line of code, and hopefully they'll be testing it. They'll be writing tests. Hopefully. If you've got the right processes in place and the right uh, tenants for for your software development processes, but it's uh, yeah, he said he's just starting to scratch the surface, so which is true. And I think for for me, it's I I can't I can't emphasize enough to clients that when I'm writing code for them that I'm not necessarily annotating and documenting things, uh, sorry, annotating the code itself, but that I'm working with people on the problems, on the actual solutions, not necessarily the code, because the code itself can be read by anybody, but as long as you know what it's intended to do and the tests are written in the right way, then it hopefully is easy to hand over, because it's our job as a developer to read code. I remember somebody we worked with, Anthony, many years ago, I said to him, uh, this is when I was a, I was a junior, um, and I said to him that, Oh God! What I, what I have to do is I have to read through 
100,000 lines of code and figure out what it does. And he said, well, isn't that the job? And as a junior, I was like, well, well, I suppose it is. I never really thought of it that way. I was really annoyed that I had to figure out all of this code that someone else had written. But like, Legacy it's code. Yeah. That, and- that's another show right there on Legacy code. I mean, that is uh, the, amount, the amount of times uh, I, I, I've seen developers just go, this just needs to be rewritten. It's rubbish. It happens every day. Yeah. In reality, you cannot do that. Not um, unless it's a very so, succinct piece of code that you can do in a few hours. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, well, quite often it's it's whole systems, you know, or whole subsystems, or you know, it has to be rewritten. There's nothing you can do with it, and there's just a lack of um, lack of uh, belief that you can look at somebody else's code and work out what it does. I mean, I'm I'm very lucky in that most of the time I don't need to do that. I'm greenfield most of the time. I write brand new pieces of code, design new systems, or I'm doing I'm doing design or getting involved with design documents with people that have basically written them wrong, and I come in and go, right, well, this needs to be. I'm sorry, you haven't considered all of these things, and end up getting involved and taking the lead on most things these days. Um, but yeah, I, I totally I totally get that. Um, so, I want to briefly touch on uh, another thing about contractors and the way that the industry, a failing of the industry, the recruitment industry specifically, agents, oh. agents. Now they're the evil of everyone. They're the the, the butt of everyone's jokes. They, they they serve a function. I I when I work with a good agent, I'm appreciative of them, but they sell, and I've heard this. Right in front of me, I've had agents that have come in when a project's been failing or a, a, a client's complained about a, pro, a, a contractor, and I've been in a meeting while the agent has said, you basically, all they are are temporary employees. You need to treat them like temporary employees, and that just blows my mind because not, they, they shouldn't be. They should be their own consultants, but this is where we get into the whole problem of when you hire 10 developers, you, you know, how can each of those 10 developers working on the same solution all have complete control and direction over their own work? Because they're working in a collaborative sense with permanent employees on a piece of software that's going to serve the business. You need to have... There was an example that HMRC gave um, of, of how to define a freelancer or a contractor. And it was something like, Jeff comes in, comes in to see a client and speaks to them about their website. Um, the client tells them uh, their company name, gives them their logo, and uh, essentially says, we need three pages. It's then up to Jeff to put the website together. He's not caught by I-35. And it's like, well, that isn't the real world. That couldn't possibly... We need much more detail than that. We need direction on branding we need direction for this particular instance we need direction on all these kind of different things to be able to deliver the work that they want us to do otherwise the client's not going to be happy and that happens in a freelancer world as well as a contractor world but anyway so the the reason i raised the agent thing is that unfortunately employees don't see the agent side of things agents sell contractors into businesses um at a mid-level management you know, HR or, or it, might, might, it might even be disconnected from middle level management by going through HR, as I said. Um, and they will sell them as temporary employees, but their contracts that they have are written 
in a service, not a contract of services. Sorry, a contract of service is not a contract of service, which is what an employee contract is. You serve your employer. We provide services to you as a business. But, I mean, in reality, that's what a lot of the businesses actually want. Well, do they? Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of the time, you know. I mean, I see that because that's when I, when I have an interview with a, a particular client, any client, I make sure that I represent myself as a business and I talk about my, my business in the third person. And I, but, a lot, which, but that's, you know, that's your very specific senior skill set. But a lot of the time, you know, and certainly a lot of companies that I've worked in, they just need more employees to help out. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, if you're digging a garden and you need to get it done quicker, you get an extra gardener. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But the gardener is free to do the gardening in the way that he sees fit. You wouldn't sit well, there. Well, no, no, no. You do that half and I do that half. Yeah, that half. So but you wouldn't tell him how to dig. Well, yeah, you wouldn't tell him how to use the shovel. Thing, well, I know it's... If he was doing it rubbishly. But, I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but a lot of the time, you know, and then the joining teams where the teams have schedules where they have like stand-ups at certain times and they need to be part of that and so they do become more like temporary employees and a lot of this distinction is because of tax not reality in the needs of employers to get con- contractors or you know short-term workers in or you know yeah. you know what i mean no i know exactly what you're from and this is the problem this is the gray area and i, I knew this was going to kind of fall into this legislation issue and because it's we're talking about contractors and employees what I'm trying to get at here is that an employee doesn't have the visibility of a contractor and the in- because of that, when contractors join companies, say, for example, you become a contractor for the first time, if you don't join a company, if you join a massive company and you just, you're one of 100 you know, contractors there, most of those people will probably be caught by this legislation and will be acting like employees and be getting paid more than an employee for a short period of time. But the inherent risk that you have as a contractor for getting rid, you know, they can get rid of you very quickly. And to me, that's enough. That's enough of a risk for us to retain our individual uh, independent consultant status to an extent, but an employee doesn't see it that way. Because they well, see it's not, you. It's not an employee. It's the HMRC doesn't see it that way. Well, they no. Well, yes and no. I mean, it, I kind of I mean, see some points on both sides view, of the fence. I, I, I don't really, I don't really care about the the contractor's status. You know, I'm just working no. with whoever I need to to get stuff done. At the last company that I worked at, I actually had a policy that nobody even knew who the contractors were, and they were all just treated like you know, part of the team, which is your absolute worst nightmare. And I know you'd hate that. Mine, but that, yes. was their, that was their policy, you know. But so I remember when, every, when everybody, I... everybody was equal. But I know that then straight away conflicts with the um, IR35. When I first started, a lot of the companies I worked for had those kind of policies. And at being a junior, I didn't really know. You know, I'd say the first couple of contracts I did probably were caught by the legislation because I didn't understand what I was. And I I, I did see I did see the, the, the dollar signs. But then I very quickly realised that, and when I learned about the legislation, I very quickly realised that it's a lot. There's a lot more to it, and I used to run a business as well, so it's I I had a little bit of experience of understanding how the real business world works, but it was easy back then to just get on with it. It's it's not going to be easy going forward, 
and no. I'm not sure how, apart from being taxed more, because that will be the case, I, it, the people who are in that situation who just sit bums on seats, do nine to five work, you know, have to have to request their holidays to. You know, I just told one of my clients today, I'm not working tomorrow. It's my wife's birthday, so I'm going to I'm going to Manchester or something. I didn't have to request that off. I just told them because they don't pay me that day. Simple as that. But that is still the case, but you still have to request holidays off in some instances because of project management and because you need to, they need to understand when you're not, that resource isn't available. Um, and if you do it too often as a contractor, you get fired. Sometimes. I mean, I've never happened to me, but I have seen it happen. Yeah, it's it's a mad world. Um, what, what Right, in conclusion, Anthony. Yep. Do you think contractors are a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, both. Obviously, that's you know there are there are times when contracts is useful. There are times when contracts are detrimental. Uh, detrimental. I think used you know used wisely, they are a very useful tool for a company to have. And and used what in terms of the? Do you think the the resource as, as, pool as, is a very useful thing? I, I think you know in in terms of things like specialist skills and burst burst capacity alongside. But you know the burst capacity alongside a permanent team. I, I think contractors can be, or you know, do you think there should be contractors, contractors when they're in what? this burst capacity? Do you think there should be contractors when they are or temporary employees? Yeah, you mean so? From my point of view, as an employee, I don't really care what the difference is. That, that's that, that's your problem, thing. not mine. But it it's is true. It is, and, it, and I think that's the attitude of a lot of the companies. The companies, you know, they want somebody. They want, you know, X amount of people to help and they know they're only going to see them for six months. Whether they're a self-employed contractor or a temporary employee, they don't really care. They just want people who know what they're doing to help out for six months. Um, well, the problem we're faced with, and I've, I have, I've had this personally with a lot of clients, is that when I speak to middle management and they start trying to treat me like an employee, which happens most of the time in bigger, bigger companies, I put up my barriers and say, oh, I put up my... Um, not contract shield. Not contract shield. You know, I put I put up like defenses, I suppose. Yeah, and I and I, I say to them, well, I'm sorry, but I manage my own time. That's the only way that I can, you know, in this instance, it's the only real way that I can demonstrate control, and I have to do that. And it's seen as being awkward. It's seen as not being a team player. Whereas, I mean, now I am arguably the most far removed from this legislation right now in my current contract, but I am the team player i am the person that is promoting being a team player and pushing these new processes and making sure everyone understands the role and all that other stuff it's such a weird odd gray area that it, but it's, it's hard it's a, to define it's, a, it's and it's an artificial gray area that's been created by legislation as opposed to a, a realistic thing that reflects what businesses need i, th yeah. I think and that's you know. the thing is hmrc do not understand that, that businesses need this burst capacity, which is unfortunately not the but, ideal world that they want it to be. I think HMRC do understand that. They just want to tax them more. Yeah, and maybe they should. Maybe <laughs> they know. should, because, I mean, I, I can see why they would want You're to. You're taking all the risk, though. That's Yes, and that's the problem. You are taking a significant portion of risk in that instance. Well, I would imagine if, if more and more con develop, contract developers fall into sort of temporary employee legislation, the day rates have to go to make it worth it or they'll just yeah. go permanent. Yeah, so. uh, and, and it's, that's, it, that's what they're aiming for because you get taxed more as a permanent person. Yeah. 
Um, and it's about tax to HMRC, whereas they say that a lot of contractors do it for tax reasons and for money reasons. We actually, I personally have always preferred it in terms of the the difference in work, the change in... And the, and the freedom. And absolutely, the freedom is the most important thing to me yeah. these days. I mean, I love working at home. I love, I love saying that I can have, you know, time off whenever I want. I also love the stress that I get when I'm not working and I need to find work and you know I, I thrive off that kind of thing but not everyone does so permanent still has a place and contract still has a place but it's just really horrible that they're changing it so a um, employer or the end engager as they refer to it as is now going to be responsible for making my tax decision and paying my tax before it gets to me potentially um if they so just just uh going back to your point about recruiters yep. or agents recruiters are shit for permanent employees as well yes but it's different and they they <laughs> we get just a don't have payment. to deal with them as often yeah. but uh I, I, in fairness i have met some good recruiters but i have met some absolutely terrible terrible recruiters as um, I. I can i can spot them within seconds of them talking to me on the phone because i speak to that many of them now i can i know all of the tricks i know all of the new things that they whenever some new legislation comes out about anything they're straight onto it and they're trying to sell these additional services to you or that they just pull it trying to pull the wool over your eyes and i just i don't have any of it these days but i'm still polite because to me they're just clients they're just a different way of getting work hey so and that's and that's one of the you know I, i've considered contracting over the years and that is one of the reasons that i've never done it is because i just as a personality find it really difficult to say no hmm. I and so you know <laughs> like, like you said no well, exactly and you know i i would go contracting and i wouldn't be able to say no to if they asked me to turn up to a meeting i wouldn't be able to say no if the um agent was trying to charge me for some insurance that they were trying to convince me that they had because i hate saying no which is which is why i much prefer being a permanent employee just from a personality point of view um you know i'd love to be able to do it again and, and be able to sort of work maybe have a bit more freedom because that mm. i do find that you know a lack of freedom is a, is a massive issue for me um but uh but yeah but yeah again if you are the permi contractor you know the, the person that sits next to you at work that you still don't have that freedom. You're is exact. You're in exactly the same boat. You have to work to get that freedom, and that's the big difference between that true freedom that I have. Of I work a seven and a half hour day, but I might work six in the morning till nine, and then I'll get up and do something else for two hours, and I'll come back at eleven, and I'll work eleven till four or six, you know whatever. And I, I very rarely do. I work past four o'clock because of the way that I work. But none of my clients that I can recall have ever had a problem with that. But I wouldn't have that luxury if I worked in an office because I'd be seen as slacking off, you know? Anyway, um, Tultep has said a few more things we'll just read out before we, uh, before we close the show. I've never worked with a contractor for development, but my company do hire contractors for electrical work since we don't have the manpower ourselves. Now, is that manpower or is that expertise? That's the difference here. If you, if you need additional resource for something, if you have electricians on board and need the additional electricians to do additional work, that's different. Okay, so he says both. I think he works. He works on PLCs, so it's it's different, uh, very different kind of world to what we would work on. You know, traditional kind of desktop software development and, and services. Um, 
Anyway, he said, I've seen contractors being locked down by employees. We have always cracked down hard on it. Uh, sorry, being looked down at by employees. We have always cracked down on hard, hard on it since we are dependent on having contractors. And good contractors have always been hired on later occasions. Some have been on and off with us for more than 10 years, which is a great thing to hear because that doesn't happen too often. Uh, I, I'm only starting to experience that now 10 years into my contracting career people are coming back to me because of my change in attitude yeah earlier i mean some of my earlier clients wouldn't look at me twice now because of the way that i was with them because i had the wrong attitude necessarily or i was just a permanent resource that didn't really have i, I wouldn't say i necessarily did a bad job just maybe didn't have this, the right attitude i didn't have that you know come i wasn't i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know why but anyway I mean, but you but you know i i, I would certainly never Look, look down on contractors, not for being contracts anyway, for being an idiot, absolutely. But I'd look down on anybody for being an idiot, regardless of whether they're permanent or not. That's that's you know. But yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't um, look look down. Uh, to me, everyone's an individual. Permanent staff, contract staff, temporary staff. Everyone's an individual, and if they're good at what they do, they get respect from me. If they're not good at what they do and they want to learn, they get respect from me. If they're not good at what they do and they think they're good at what they do. They're an idiot generally, and they're the worst. Yeah, and they and they're the people that you can't teach. I mean, not always. Sometimes they need, you know, they think they know everything. Um, I, I deal with people like that all the time. Some of them are worth pushing. Some of them aren't, and it doesn't matter how they're employed or if they're engaged no. as a service or as or on services. They're, they're, it's an individual personality thing. Um. Anyway, good. Right. So onto our RTFM section. RTFM is where we have a little whinge. Now, we've had a whinge pretty much through the whole episode. I'm struggling this week. Uh, in fact, my RTFM this week is, close your bloody window, Anthony, because all I can hear are seagulls. Don't play. It's all right. We're nearly finished. Don't worry. <laughs> it's the seaside. So, if we had sponsors... What do you expect? If we had sponsors... Well, I'm at the sea. I'm only a mile down the road from you. Um... Yeah, if we if we had sponsored, we'd have to cut them for this entire episode because all you've been able to hear is Anthony talking with with seagulls screeching in the background, trying to nick chips <laughs> off tourists. Probably. <laughs> um, have you got an RTFM this week, Anthony? Uh, yes, but it's not about development. Okay, that doesn't matter. Have a win. Something you may already know about. Okay, and no no personal names, no no anything. Don't no, don't, no, don't no. go into. Any personal attacks? So, I don't know anything about cars, but I was trying to take the hubcap off my car, and it had lots of, um, <laughs> it had, well, it looked like it had um, holes for Allen keys, you know, hexagonal keys to, to take it off, uh, but the ones that I had didn't fit, and I, and I spent spent a whole day driving around, and about £20 on three different sets of Allen keys, trying to find one that fit. I, the first one didn't fit, and I thought, maybe it's the Imperial set, so I got an Imperial set, the Imperial one didn't fit so i thought oh maybe i need a 4.5 mil one because i had a four mil one and a fiber one anyway it turns out it's just plastic but the thing that really upsets me is that somebody thought what they would do is they would design a hubcap that looked like you could take it off with an allen key that you couldn't <laughs> i mean why would somebody do that Sorry. i did see that i did see your post on facebook i don't think i've <laughs> I commented but also i've done similar things like that in the past i can understand your frustration because i'm not a practical person i've done you know spent money on things that i didn't need to and i mean i thought that was quite practical it had a it had a hole for a tool and i bought a tool for the hole i mean what more what more practical can you get yeah, well you can look at you can knock it with your finger to see if it's metal first oh, whatever. 
Um, I'm struggling for an RTFM, to be fair. I'm quite happy at the moment, apart from apart from my bloody cat. Keeps waking me up at four o'clock in the morning. We call him, right? One of our cats is called Big Meow. You're because, get some seagulls. Because, well, uh, he, he's, t- he's taken to jumping on the... He, doesn't used to, he didn't used to come on the bed at all. He used to be quite scared of coming on the bed, in fact. Now he's taken to standing on the side of the bed at four o'clock in the morning and going, meow, like really, he's called Big Meow because he's got a big, loud meow. And I, I wear earplugs when I'm in bed and I can still hear the bugger. And hes I'm so tired at the moment because he he's done it for the last two weeks. I just, uh, just had the in-laws around and she was saying to me that I look like I'm knackered and sorry if I do, but yeah, that's my only RTFM. I don't have anything else to whinge about at the moment. You look beautiful to me. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. So... Let's close the show. I feel like I've talked a lot more than you this show. So I'm sorry to everybody who's listened. Um, thanks to everybody, or Tepe in chat, who's been uh, who's been joining in quite a lot and uh, and wittering on, telling us about his experiences with contractors. Um, and yes, thank you to everybody who's been listening and who everyone who's listening on the podcast and again in the future. Uh, finally, thanks to Anthony for joining us. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope you will oh, come again. Yes, yeah, I've yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were saying that's the the general podcast audience. Well, no, I've enjoyed it very much. I always do. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Uh, can't wait to come back. Good stuff. And I said we will uh, we will definitely invite you back again. We have a few slots in the future. I'll uh, I'll get in touch with you about. Um, feel free to pimp any projects, any social media channels, any open source stuff. No. Yeah. No. no anybody want if anybody wants wants to buy a crap house then that's that's you know yeah if you want to buy a crap house in blackpool it's probably going to get knocked down soon loads of seagulls they get knocked down five minutes after you sell it probably won't it he's been waiting for it to be knocked down for so long so you can get some council yes anyway so you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live for links to all our social media channels discord dev chat and podcast discovery platforms you can also use it contact us for any reason give us feedback tell me off for talking too much and not letting the guests uh, interject uh, tell a funny dev st- give us a funny dev story or even talk to us about coming on the show as a guest everyone can do it Anthony is one of the meekest people on the planet and he's still turning up to help join in he's not really that meek but I thought he'd react to that depends on what you've had to drink yes well well I, we know what I, you're I like when you five drink. pints before I, before I do it you see <laughs> yes so all that is left to say is goodbye thank you very much everybody and we'll see you next week live on Twitch 7pm UK time see you later bye bye bye